0: Attention all internet! Put the children in their cages. Shoot your pets. Yank grandmother's plug. Put down your crack pipe. It's time for Very Dark, Very Quick.
1: Welcome to Very Dark, Very Quick. This is Mike and I am once again with Aaron. Hello, everybody. All right, so this week, what do we got? Uh, What's our topic this week?
2: This week, we're going to talk about wrestling, which is a subject that I have very little knowledge on, but I know (laughs) that you are a huge wrestling nerd, Mike, so
1: why don't you tell us all about it? Well, I would say that I'm a reformed wrestling nerd. Um, I probably haven't been active in wrestling or watching wrestling for probably, I don't know, eight years, something like that. I mean, I try to keep up with what's going on, but wrestling is one of those things that, after you stop watching it and you try to get back into it, you are just completely fucking lost and I don't know if it's if it's the same with a soap opera, you try to get out and they just pull you right back in, but you don't know where the hell you are.
2: Yeah, I have no doubt I bet you're spot on with that. I think that uh that when it comes to wrestling, you could draw a whole lot of parallels to um to soap operas.
1: Honestly, the last time I watched wrestling or, you know, the last go through that I had, which I would say maybe there's three different times in my life when I was like really into wrestling, you know, the the matches are great and all, but when it comes down to it, a lot of the matches are exactly the same. And it's almost like you're trying to get through the match just so you can get to the soap opera part. And that's the part I always enjoyed. Uh, Well, you know, for me,
2: it was always the same way. Uh, I could really give two shits about the fighting. I mean, it was fun to watch but it was all about the drama.
1: Yeah, and I think that's something that's built in the last 20 years or so because, like I said, you know, I I was into wrestling when I was a a small kid, and that was mostly, you know, we're in Texas, so our regional stuff was this WCCW, which came to you live from beautiful downtown Dallas at the Sportatorium. Uh, It would come on every Sunday night, kind of late And, uh, I can remember watching that quite a bit, but that was with the Von Ericks and, and folks, folks like that. Um, back then it was, it was more about the wrestling in general. It wasn't really the the soap opera part. So in the last 20 ish years, it's really become more about the strife and the storylines.
2: When I was a kid, which is really the only time that I was ever a big wrestling fan, the writing wasn't nearly as good. I mean, there was a lot of shit talking back and forth. And, of course, you had people that had their characters, um, That, but they were all so uh, polarized. You know, there wasn't any nuance to these characters at all. They were just, they are what they are. Hulk Hogan was, you know, the real American hero. Randy Savage, God rest his soul, who was just a, uh, a fucking madman. You know, he was the party guy. He was Spuds McKenzie. Right?
3: That, that is
1: that is that is very, very good. That is, uh, I've never heard that comparison, but yeah, Spuds McKenzie of, of WWE. I Absolutely. Think you're, I think you got something there. She had The Undertaker. He's a
2: demon. And uh, I always thought he was really fucking entertaining.
1: Through the 90s, they kind of came off of that whole he's a demon thing. You know, because when he started, he had Paul Bearer, who was his uh, ring man. Uh, He would get in a coffin a lot all that kind of stuff and they kept a lot of that But Paul bearer went away for a long time and then undertaker just became like this big hulking behemoth That would wrestle people almost like the big show or something like that And then they kind of got back into the dark part of his character I don't know what he's doing now to be honest with you. I think he's 136 years old So I, I don't know how much he's wrestling but I will say some of the finest matches I ever saw that I actually watched the wrestling in uh, had had him involved, and everything kind of changed, didn't
2: it? There was a bit of a split there, wasn't there? Um, there was,
1: it, you know, you had the WCW, so you had guys, you know, that would defect from WWF at the time and go over to WCW, and vice versa. And then uh, the big storyline I remember was that uh, WWF, I think it had become. Vince McMahon goes in and buys uh, WCW and just like shuts it down and destroys all those guys and they end up coming back. You know, I loved all of that. I thought that was great. And, um, you know, again, making that comparison to a soap opera, um, I I think wrestling is probably like a man's soap opera. It's more of a sports soap opera. And and those storylines were uh, the thing that would keep me coming back each week. Did you ever watch any TNA? Yeah. Yeah. If we're talking about wrestling. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. 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 I did watch some. Um, It seemed like there for a while, every time you turned on the TV, there was a different wrestling league.
2: Yeah, that's true.
1: And uh, I think that's one of the things that got me out of it is there was just so much. I just couldn't watch it all.
2: I kind of feel like the TNA era was when wrestling really kind of started to, to, to get really good in the writing department you know, you started having these huge alliances and and huge conflicts. Uh, I didn't watch a whole lot of it. It was kind of one of those things that I would have on while I was sitting at my computer like playing Quake or some shit. Wrestling didn't really know what it was. Is Are we edgy? Are we, uh, you know, catering to an adult crowd? Or do we want to bring the kids in? Or is it both? And I think they kind of found the answer. It was both, but it had to go through uh, separate leagues.
1: Wrestling these days kind of reminds me of uh, the old-school Looney Tunes cartoons. There's something there for everybody. Um, there are those jokes or gags or whatever that are used in wrestling that only the adults are going to get, and the kids love the I'm a big American or I'm a, I'm a terrible person or what. You know, they love the face and the heel. Um, they like that kind of stuff. Maybe I'm going to get a little preachy here, but there is a really good division in wrestling between good and bad. You can tell who's good and you can tell who's bad. The storylines sometimes make it a little murky with some of the characters, but eventually they turn out to be every bit good or every bit bad.
2: Well, I think that there are some exceptions to that rule. Hulk Hogan comes to mind. But yeah, for the most part, it was it was all good or bad. Good versus evil.
0: And now, Shut Up You're Wrong
4: with Volk. Hi everybody. Of course you know who I am. I'm Lord Volkark, and today we have with me is Randy Man, the fan of wrestling. Uh, thank you very much, Randy, for that Alfred, Yes, sir. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about, you know, wrestling, not the actual Olympic fucking sport. You mean the real beautiful thing. I love it. You love it. No, 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 no. I'm going to put it this way. We're going to be talking about the drama. There is no drama that is not love of wrestling. The drama is real. The real is the man. The Randy Man loves it. All right, Aaron right, look. There isn't much to this wrestling besides the drama that it is now. So we're talking about modern wrestling. And this is the WWE and fuck all else. I don't know what the hell the name is. Randy Man loves the original. So, yeah, I agree. I I agree with this. Alright, so now we look. Look, look, look. We're going to put this as an aspect of... You know, just straight up, if you're going to ask me, Volk, what we actually believe, or what I believe about wrestling, which is, let's be honest, it's fucking fake. Yes, but it's beautiful. I don't give a shit. Okay. It's fake. It's not the Olympic sport. It is not a real sport. It is a show of... Just overindulgence in fucking drama and beautiful bodies. Wait, 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 wait. What? Beautiful bodies. The muscles. Oh, I miss Hulk Hogan ripping his shirt off in those glistening muscles. Oh, well, this does give a different aspect of the fan base. Now, most of the fan base is supposed to be, let's just be honest, 2017, it's supposed to be straight. Well,. The Randy Man is Randy about the beautiful, beautiful muscles and the beautiful men. Well, you know, and I'm going to be honest, um, they kind of just go one aspect for the women, so I kind of makes more sense that the men are these definition and exposed, very little small shorts. Yes, the Randy Man loves little small shorts. He loves the asses. He loves those thighs, those thunder thick Pulsing thighs. And that's why I thought. Okay, so this gives a better aspect. You know, the fan base doesn't want to say it. Um, there's a larger fan base for male specific So I'm kind of going to go with the same thing as football. Football asses don't look as good. All right, now, Randy, thank you very much. We're going to go with the aspect of it's an attraction of sexual proportions. And that's what we're going to go off of. That's my take on all this. What are you going to say, Randy, man? Randy loves the muscles, the glisten, the beauty, everything about the men of it all. So Randy men would agree, but wrestling is real, because Randy wants to touch them. All right, so that's going to be me, uh, Lord Foil and Randy Man. Thank you very much for listening. No, back to the
2: show. It's, it's Randy right I don't know. I have a hard time believing that wrestling was ever really about the fighting. You know, you'll have wrestlers that have this amazing personality that, that are able to play their role, but then when they get out there to fight, they just kind of suck. You know, and of course, you've got the opposite. You've got people like uh, like Chris Benoit, who really was, really was amazing to watch fight, uh, but not necessarily much in the personality
1: department. Was, yeah, terrible personality.
2: Yeah, it was kind of a mixed bag, but it balanced out perfectly.
1: It, yeah. So it, when you when you start talking about those personalities, I'll tell you uh, on on one hand, I can count the ones that I was fully behind. Um, well, number one, you talked about Hulk Hogan being uh, kind of murky, but I I would argue that uh, that has happened to almost every one of the characters, every one of the faces. Uh, which are the good guys turn into a heel at some point uh, or a bad guy and then turn back. And it's almost immediate the way that they change. You know, you don't see, Oh, well he kind of screwed this thing up. Oh, he kind of screwed that thing up. Oh my God, he might be bad. Let's think on that a little. No, it's he's good. Oh, he kicked the wrong guy. Now he's bad. As far as characters go, uh, stone cold, Steve Austin was my absolute favorite Uh, quickly followed by uh, Mick Foley. And it didn't matter what character Mick Foley was playing. You talk about a guy, or two guys there, honestly, that had it on both sides. Both of them could fight in the ring, especially Mick Foley. And both of them had these huge, bigger-than-life personalities, and they were really good at what they did. I think without those guys, wrestling probably would have died at some point. It reminds me of kind of like video games, you know, how video games took a real dip Uh, For a long time you couldn't sell a game to anybody and then all of a sudden boom here We were and it was five times as big as it had ever been what other type of entertainment could you go? from My god these guys are athletic and they're always beating each other up to finding out that it's fake and Still being able to put on the show and people show up all the time
2: It almost seemed like at one point the world realized this is fake and it became a thing uh, it became ammo that people used against wrestling nerds. And I guess I kind of always felt like it was an unsaid thing that wrestling was fake. And, and there's never there was never a problem with that. Did you really think Sergeant Slaughter left his fucking tank double parked? <laughs> Do you think he came to the fucking arena in a tank and left it double parked?
1: However, when you're talking about Jake the Snake, he could at least prove he had a snake.
2: Well, yeah, that's true. But in the same uh, regard, we never actually saw The Undertaker take anybody's soul.
1: That's true. That's true. You never saw that, and you didn't see him raised from the dead. Uh, Am I wrong there? I mean... No, you're not wrong at all. uh, But uh, Vince McMahon, who I think is a friggin' genius, I don't care what you think about him, I think he's parlayed this thing into the biggest thing ever. He embraced that whole wrestling is fake thing by coming out and saying, yeah, we're sports entertainment. But I feel like it's kind of stupid that he ever even had to do that. Oh,
2: I agree. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, no shit. It's fake. But that's good. It wouldn't be worth watching if it was real. I mean, who the fuck sits around and watches real wrestling?
1: We're not sitting around watching that. Now, I know there's parts of the country that wrestling is big, like in high school and college and stuff like that. But I feel like it's almost like hockey here. Uh, A lot of people like it, but it's not as big a thing. You know, here... I think as far as WWE, it is just almost universally accepted now that a yeah it's fake, but who gives a crap because it's such a good show.
2: I just kind of feel like wrestling, like lacrosse and rugby. Out of all of those things, wrestling is probably the lamest sport, the lamest collegiate sport out there. And I think uh, you know what they did with it to to turn it into what they turned it into was a stroke of fucking genius.
1: Let me tell you what I know about Vince McMahon. Um, and again, this this probably shows my wrestling nerd side. He didn't know his father until he was like 12 years old. When he met his father, his father was part of a wrestling league or whatever you want to call it. And Vince, a 12-year-old kid just meeting their dad, uh, has one of two reactions. One is, fuck you, I don't ever want to see you again. Two is, I want to be just like you. And so he chose that I want to be just like you and started getting involved in wrestling. Uh, His dad told him when he first started hanging out with him that, you know, there's supposed to be this line between the promoters and the wrestlers. And Vince never really took to that. Uh, And so his vision is exactly what you see today, where the lines are very blurred between. Who's the promoter? Who's the owner? Who's the writer? Who's the actor? Who's the wrestler? I think they all kind of come and go. But when you're talking about who's really pulling the strings and stuff in the back, they have writers just like uh, uh, a half hour situation comedy. They have showrunners. I can't imagine being one of the guys who has to go out and set everything up each week because they're normally in a different city every week.
2: That is a crazy undertaking.
1: Yeah, and then I'm guessing some of those guys might have a little roid rage in them.
2: You know, there has been a lot of talk about that kind of thing over the years, the the steroids and all that. I don't really hear many people talking about it anymore.
1: I know they make a big deal out of how they test them all now. You know, some of these guys, there's no freaking way they can be that big. I mean, you look at The Rock when he first came in and what he looks like now. The dude is freaking enormous. And you're telling me that all came out of hard work and good eating? But again, people have shown that they don't really care. Um, And I guess if you're sports entertainment, does it really matter? These guys can do whatever they want to to their body as long as they don't hurt anybody else and and put on a good show. That's all you're really looking for.
0: And now, Mr. Dr. Science, Ph.D.
1: All right, people. What you
5: going to do, brother, when science runs wild on you? That's right, ladies and gentlemen. This is Mr. Dr. Science, Ph.D. To be the science... Woo! you gotta beat the science and that's what i'm here to teach you guys about is this thing we call professional wrestling ladies and gentlemen let's just talk about the science of this and how hard it is on the body these moves you guys see these ddt's these frog splashes these glam slams hell's gate ko punch the million dollar dream let's think about those for a second guys those can cause serious harm to your body this is not real you can break noses, break jaws. Hell, you can even lose the ability to walk. So the next time you're trying to impress little Susie Lou down the street by doing a pedigree off the top of the ropes of your house onto a trampoline into a razor's edge, let's think about this, guys. This ain't no rock bottom. The only thing you'll hit rock bottom is your face into the ground and potentially you into the hospital. So take it from me. Mr. Dr. Science, Ph.D. I have an honorary Ph.D. from the University of Denmark. It's legit, guys. So do you smell what the doc is cooking? Because Science 316 says I just whipped your ass. All right, now back to the show. Here's Aaron and
1: Mike. Wrestling for me started, like I said, when I was a kid. When when we were watching stuff that came out of the Sportatorium, it was always great, you know, fun to watch. But I, I don't know that I was necessarily devoted to it. But back then, those same guys would tour all over the place. And I know that's, a, that's kind of a storied history part of, of wrestling in general. I mean, the guys are eventually going to come to your town and put on a good show. I can remember my dad taking me to a local school gym. And this would probably happen twice a year, and we would see some of the same guys we saw on TV, and uh, God, it was a good time. It was one of those things, you go with your dad, and you know, you get some crappy nachos, and you sit in a school gym, and you watch a bunch of idiots you know, throw each other around. It just imprinted on me a really good memory. But I will say my favorite part of any show like that that we ever went to were The, uh, the Little People. Uh, The midget matches were just phenomenal. I just loved them. Every freaking time there was a midget in the ring, he bit the ref on the butt at some point. (laughs) And I, I loved that part. I just thought it was the funniest thing in the world. To this day, if I ever see a midget wrestling league going around touring or whatever, I try to go because I really enjoy it. Those guys are putting even more on the line when they're throwing each other against the ladder. Well, you know, I
2: actually had the pleasure of attending my first, not only wrestling match, but midget wrestling match with you several years ago. Uh, yeah. and It was brilliant. I had so much fun at that thing. I've never felt more like a part of something. And all the people there were really cool. I mean, we did a lot of chatting with folks that the actual wrestlers themselves were all really cool. It was like an anti-bullying message that they were yeah. giving. Yeah. I love the that they had this whole anti-bullying message while simultaneously beating the shit out of each other. <laughs> I thought it was wonderful. Well, we can't talk about wrestling without talking about wrestling fans. Uh
3: huh.
1: So, well, but you know what, like you said, a lot of the time, though especially at those local events, there is a real um sense of community because those people try to get along with each other just at at every turn
2: I've known a lot of wrestling fans in my lifetime, you know when I was in college they were I was surrounded by them great fucking people. It seemed like these people had a real creative side to them, and i don 't know if that's uh, a product of watching wrestling because. You know, there's a certain amount of drama, a certain creativity in wrestling that you don't really see in any other kinds of televised media. Do you remember the big backyard wrestling craze of
1: the mid-2000s? Oh, yeah, they had a league for a while. I don't know if that's still a thing or not.
2: You know, I haven't heard about anybody doing backyard wrestling in a long time.
1: Yeah, I think you have to be between the ages of about 8 and 19 to care about backyard wrestling at this point.
2: Yeah, I think so, but it sure looked like a lot of fun.
1: Sure, sure. i tell you the other thing that I got into for a little while uh, was called the kaiju wrestling. And basically, if you've seen, uh, what's the big robot monster movie Guillermo del Toro did?
2: Uh, Pacific Rim.
1: Yeah, Pacific Rim. So if you've seen Pacific Rim, you know what a kaiju is. A kaiju is just a big monster. And basically, you would have guys dressed up like monsters beating each other up in a wrestling ring that also included, like, small buildings. It was almost like if you watch a Godzilla versus Mothra battle and they knock down all the buildings, that's what they were going for with wrestlers. That was a lot of fun to watch. Another one of the best times I've ever had is uh, I was able to go to a Wrestlemania Again with my father, uh, we drove to Houston uh, and watched it in the Astrodome. I was able to see Stone Cold. Very disappointed though that he turned into a bad guy during that match. Um, I just remember that being a huge deal for me, uh, being able to go to a WrestleMania. You know, it's 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 akin to taking a kid to the Super Bowl. Um, I mean, it's the biggest thing you're ever going to attend if you're if you're a huge wrestling fan, and You know i said that that i don't watch as much wrestling anymore Uh, i have to give it up to my uh my 73 year old dad who uh, still faithfully watches smackdown watches raw uh is a huge wrestling fan wears his his stone cold and undertaker t-shirts around the uh independent living facility that they live in he doesn't miss it he's uh he's he's hooked that's fantastic yeah he loves it
0: And now, a word from this week's sponsor.
3: Is technology just too darn much for you? Are you lost when people talk about the webs? Now there's a way to keep up with the kids. I mean they're always on those phones, am I right? The Internet's Greatest Hits Volume 1. Find out what a meme is, just a picture with words.
6: Don't rush me, I- I'm trying to picture that.
3: Talk to your grandkids about those Pokemon. Learn about the Reddits and 4 channels. Watch those hilarious cat videos. See some kid with a light pole go crazy. Listen to a terrible song about fudge raining. So Jilf Paul. And finally be able to send an electronic mail to the president. It's all available to you. The Internet's Greatest Hits, Volume 1. Available on VHS and Betamax. Ask your children about it today. Before you forget.
2: So I want to spend a minute here talking about a real legend. I want to talk about Ric Flair. Mm Mm-hmm. Ric Flair is just the best thing that wrestling ever had to offer, in my opinion. Ric Flair, think about this, man. Where else? Where else in the world can you have a middle-aged, orange, spray-tanned, smoke-dried, bleach-blonde, just fucking creep, be a hero? Mm -hmm. And he was. Ric Flair, man, it's amazing to think. That something like that, a person that could be described in that way, could be so fucking awesome. But he yeah. was. And that's that's kind of the thing with wrestling. That's that's kind of the magic of it, is that somebody like Ric Flair or Roddy Piper can be a hero uh, and, and be admired. These people are not pretty people. Which is something that we're used to seeing in the entertainment industry. Lots and lots of pretty people. Or in,
1: in sports in general.
2: You're totally right. Everyone had a chance. Everyone was given a chance. And everybody that had the charisma could make it in wrestling and be a public figure. Who would ever thought that a guy like Ric Flair would become a household name?
1: But he did. And he was awesome. Well, again, you go back to somebody like Mick Foley. Dude's not in shape. In shape it has shape nothing up. to do with being in shape. And this is something that that the wrestling fans, I think, come back more and more for is the dedication that some of these guys have. Anybody who knows anything about wrestling is going to know what match I'm talking about. But I saw a Hell in the Cell match one time with Mick Foley and uh, The Undertaker. And I can't tell you how many times I've watched that match. It's got to be in the dozens because it was simply one of the, one of the best matches where you see a guy completely give everything he possibly had in him to put on a good show. And this thing was not supposed to go down the way it went down. I've only seen it happen once. And it was during this match where the top gave way and Foley came falling down, uh, after being, um, I guess, pile by, uh, by the undertaker. And when he came down, the camera panned in on him, and he had two of his teeth that had actually come out of his mouth, and they were up in his nose. You talk about dedication. That makes you an instant legend with any wrestling fan. Sergeant Slaughter. Sergeant Slaughter. He was uh, he was a hell of a showman. Boy, you got to give that up to those guys. Even the guys nowadays are not near as good as as some of those guys during the 80s. Or maybe that's me getting older and, and just kinda half remembering everything that happened, but damn, I just remember those guys coming out and commanding an audience, you know. Well Sergeant Slaughter was definitely one of those guys. He hey, he was part of the cartoon, right? You remember the, the, the wrestling cartoon that came on for a few years? Sergeant Slaughter was actually on G. I. Joe. That's right, that's right. He was on G. I. Joe.
2: That you could get G. I. Joe Sergeant Slaughter action figures. No, wrestling really did kind of get its hooks into pop culture in a big way in the 80s, which is really the only reason I uh, watched wrestling at all. You know, it it was just, it was there. It was everywhere. It was huge. You got anything to say about Jake the Snake?
1: I didn't know a lot about Jake the Snake. I never really bought his shtick. I think he did a lot of stuff on WCW, which... It's kind of like Marvel versus DC fans. You know, there's some people that are hardcore Marvel fans, some people that are hardcore DC fans. And at the time, it was it was you pick either WWF or WCW, and never the twain should meet. But Jake the Snake, I mean, you got to admire him for uh, for his stick to itiveness uh, to a uh, gimmick that couldn't have been easy to maintain. Bringing a friggin' snake in a bag with you every time that's his shtick, okay, I'm going to get this snake out of a bag and it's going to freak you out, to somebody like Hacksaw Jim Duggan, he would come out with just a giant two-by-four, stomping and raising the American flag. That was his whole shtick. Now, if Hacksaw forgot his prop, well, you know, it's pretty easy to find a two-by-four. Jake the Snake loses his snake. He's screwed.
2: You know, I would be willing to bet that if Jake the Snake ever lost his snake, he could probably get some fan in that city to bring a snake
1: To the to the venue, I would think the Venn diagram of snake owners versus wrestling fans is probably pretty closely aligned.
2: Yeah, that's kind of what I was getting at. I wonder if Jake the Snake was using rescue snakes.
1: (laughs) That would have been awfully damn nice of him. You know, know,
2: these days, if somebody found out Jake the Snake was getting his snakes from a snake farm, he would be
1: ostracized. Yeah, that's true. I I know for a fact, though, that hacksaw was using uh, reclaimed wood. This is Mean Gene Poutine, once again coming to you live from the Wrestletorium. I'm with the Deathicator and the Golden Tower, who are in the midst of some very, very bad blood. This has rippled throughout the WCCW and caused backlash for this Sunday's pay-per-view, The Bust Bowl 4. I'm the Deathicator,
6: and I'm here to tell the Golden Shower or whatever fucking name is and i'm gonna fuck him up so bad in the ring this weekend that he's not gonna know which way is left or right or up or down or or any other direct forward and backwards and other compass things he's gonna be so messed up oh i'm, I'm gonna destroy you with my my fists in your face and 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 chairs we use chairs i'm gonna use a chair on you oh i'm the defecator be running to be squat on so bad that you have to wipe. You have to ask me to wipe because it's that bad of squatting. That's going on. We're going to need so much tissue because there's going to be blood and other bodily fluids that are just all over the place. It's going to get dirty real quick. Very quick. Very dirty. I'm the defecator. I'm going to take you down. Golden tower. I'm going to take you down. Golden tower.
7: Listen up, defecator, you've been dropping that mess all over the ring for far too long. I, the Golden Tower, am going to end your reign of terror. I'm gonna rip out your brain and sell it on Craigslist, then I'm gonna go on Facebook and thumbs down your grandma. After that, I'm gonna get my nephew, who's good with the cyber, to ruin your credit score. I'll beat you to the front of the line at chow time and take the last of the fish sticks. I'll secretly collect your skin follicles for years and build a replica of you that I will put on YouTube doing embarrassing things. I'll catfish your wife. I'll take your parking spot. I'll put your address on Grindr as a sub with a home invasion fetish. I'm gonna go to work at the nursing home your mother lives in and slowly seduce her until she's ready to give herself to me completely. Then I'll laugh at her for being so old. I'll send your 14-year-old son to Kevin Spacey's master course and set your 17-year-old daughter up with an audition for Harvey Weinstein. I'll switch your coffee to decaf and then tell your boss you're on heroin, but before I do all that, I'm going to beat your ass fair and square this Sunday, right here in the ring.
8: Now we're back to the damn show, folks. Welcome back Aaron and Mike, you understand me?
1: How about uh, Brutus the Barber beefcake? Well, I don't I don't know him as well, but I will say this that uh, I think Brutus the beefcake, just that persona, I think is one of the time-honored traditions of wrestling in general. You look at some of that stuff from the '50s and '60s. There was always a blonde guy, and this kind of plays into that Ric Flair thing. But there was always this blonde guy uh, who liked to brush his hair and look the best he could, and all that kind of stuff. Came out in you know beautiful clothing, feather boas, and stuff like that. And I believe Brutus the Beefcake was the same type character.
2: Yeah, Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Well, he was the barber because he carried around like a some gardening shears. And he was kind of a pretty boy kind of guy, Um, but he was kind of fat and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, he he was muscular, but he, I mean, he wasn't like butterbean fat, but he was, he was fat. And, uh, you know, he's, he's another example of, of somebody who, uh, was way more successful than they had any business being, but, uh, but, you know, he was, he was a blast. So let's talk for a minute about the ultimate warrior. Looking at one a of the- picture of the ultimate warrior right now and holy shit, man.
1: I hope you're not looking at one from today because yeah, he's yeah,
2: dead. No. Oh no, you're right, he did die. I forgot yeah. completely that he died. Well, this must be one of his last photos.
1: He doesn't look real great right now. No. Oh, you dude. hope that he's in heaven shaking those uh, shaking those ropes.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Holy shit, Mike Zoink's the clown. I remember Zoinks the Clown. It wasn't long, but I remember him. Zoinks the Clown was incredibly
2: short-lived, but I remember Zoinks the Clown was getting his ass stomped. I don't know by who. And then from under the ring came another Zoinks the Clown. You just heard a phantom honking. It was, <laughs> it was the biggest shake up in 80s wrestling. The, the second Zoinks the Clown. Not only, <laughs> Not only did that ripple through that match, but it rippled through pop culture. You know, it left us with so many questions.
1: Who was the other Zoinks? And that's that's another thing. It's often really shrouded in mystery who these guys are and where they came from. And I guess that's to preserve kind of, you know, when you're walking down the street, people don't come up and just beat on you and say, I got Zoink the Clown in the head.
2: Well, and it's also to preserve the magic of the whole thing.
1: Yeah, you're probably right about that, too. Kane. Kane, uh, or Undertaker's brother. Uh, Kane was, uh, Kane was huge, uh, about the same time that the undertaker was huge and they had their, their spats. They would fight with each other. Uh, the big thing was when were they going to take off Kane's mask? Um, and they finally took it off and I don't, I don't remember what happened. It wasn't that big a deal to me, but, um, he was a great character. He just didn't speak much and he must've been one of those guys that McMahon or somebody said, okay, you're a terrible, you're terrible at the uh, soap opera part. So we're just going to make you the big mute. What about Sting? Sting was definitely a WCW guy. And then I think he went to TNA after that. Um, Sting was always fun to watch. But, uh, again, me choosing Marvel over DC, I just never really – he he did come over to WWE at some point, and that was after uh, McMahon bought WCW. And uh, he was there for a very little time, and then he was just gone. So I, I don't know what he's doing now. Good character, though.
0: And now the lighter side of life with Lady Glitter Sparkles.
9: Hello, friends. Let's get comfy. Settle in. Take a deep breath. In and out. Ah. The topic of conversation today is wrestling. Not the weird extracurricular school sport that makes you cringe because of how much they love to be on top of each other. No, the one I'm talking about is the World Wrestling Federation, a cherished televised soap opera for men with more glitter than a cheerleading squad. But that's not what I want to focus on. Randy, the wrestling fan, touched on a point that I want to bring to the table. Their glistening muscles. For those of you that don't know, I don't eat meat, or anything delicious, but I can't help but stare at these meaty men as they fly through the air, screaming the call of their people, and colliding with another oiled meaty man for entertainment. And entertaining it is. I confess, I find myself longing for the rippling pectorals of John Cena or Chris Jericho before a nice evening of slow, sensual meditation. the sport doesn't require a lot of brains this is true and we all know that for the most part it's fake but the dedication to their work is real and that is what truly propels the show forward not to mention those glistening biceps triceps and glutes oh my that's all for me friends i will now be sitting in sexual frustration for the rest of the evening I'm Lady Glitter Sparkles, and this has been The Lighter Side of Life. Namaste.
8: Now back to the show.
7: It'd be Aaron, It'd be Mike, and you'll be Gordon fucking nowhere.
1: Owen Hart. Owen Hart I didn't know too much about other than the way he died. Uh, he was kind of generic when it came to his character. He was just, you know, a good guy. And then he's the one that came down from the roof, right? Yeah, very yeah. sad. It was very sad because I think he was starting to build a little bit of a following. That was Bret Hart's brother, right? Yeah,
2: yeah, that was Bret the Hitman Hart's Bret brother. The hitman. Bret the Hitman was another 80s guy that I was very
1: into. Bret the Hitman, one of the things that I remember is you couldn't ever stop staring at his crotch because that's where all the little hearts were.
2: Yeah, that's right, that's right. <laughs> yeah.
1: I'm a Hitman, but I wear a Speedo with hearts on it.
2: Well, and, you know, you gotta, you gotta admit that wrestling isn't really an effective way to be a hitman. No, you know, that's true. I mean, like, with the rare exception of of Owen Hart, really, nobody ever died in the
1: ring. Yeah. God, the first person I would question is his brother, since I mean, he was an avowed hitman. Ooh
2: do you want to piss off every wrestling fan at once let's go that's, down this rabbit hole
1: that's pretty much it right there it's, oh dear
2: god kill him! it was that's brett like, brett cut the rope
1: that's so, all you need on those shirts just brett cut the rope oh my god chris benoit Chris Benoit, I can't ever think about him without thinking about Benoit balls, and so I was never a huge fan, and that weird little beard he had, I didn't like that at all.
2: It's funny that you bring that up, because I feel the exact same way. I cannot even hear the word Benoit without giggling oh, a little bit.
1: Yeah, I mean, who, what the fuck, change your name, man. He was a badass, I mean, the dude could fucking wrestle. That's another one of those guys, terrible personality, but great wrestler. He killed his family, and then himself. Benoit? Yeah. Yeah. Holy shit. I didn't remember that either. Yeah. Huh. Hey, the steroids cannot help.
2: No, it's not the steroids though. It's the repeated concussions. And this is something that's been in the media a lot now uh, because they're talking about this traumatic brain injury condition that people get. And we've seen a lot of... Recently, we've seen several um, athletes speak out about this, and even some athletes have gone into early retirement to avoid it. A weird thing that, uh, that kind of happened around that time, and nobody's really sure what the deal was with this, but it seems like earlier that week, somebody edited Chris Benoit's Wikipedia page to say essentially what happened. Now, nobody knows whether this was maybe some kind of error in Wikipedia's database uh, mm. structure or something like that. It almost has to be, barring any supernatural influence. Maybe it was The Undertaker. We got to talk about the Iron
1: Sheik. The Iron Sheik was fantastic. The that Iron was one of the Sheik. first ones I remember as being like, I mean, you could not come up with a better heel to Hulk Hogan's face. I mean, Hulk Hogan was the good guy. The Iron Sheik was the bad guy. And that was just perfect at the time. That's what I'm saying. It reflects, you know, the times. Absolutely. So well.
2: The iron chic was great. The, the number one top shit talker of all time. The iron she's still around, isn't he? He's alive and kicking. He's a regular yeah. on the Howard Stern show and he's yeah, fucking he just cusses hilarious. cusses up a
1: storm too. Oh right? yeah.
2: Yeah. To this day, the iron chic is probably the best shit talker in wrestling history. And it was all stupid you know, yeah, he, he just yeah. sounded like a dumb guy talking shit, but it was funny as fuck.
1: Jesse the Body Ventura. I mean, there's so many of them, though. When you think about Jesse, you think about the fabulous Freebirds. You think about um, the Von Erics who honestly started a lot of this stuff. Um, there's just so many guys. It would take you forever to talk about this stuff. All right, well, what about The Rock? The Rock um honestly the rock to me is the biggest success to ever come out of anything related to wrestling there's been a lot of guys that have tried to come out and be stars uh if you think of something recent you can think of john cena huge wrestling star and he made a few movies and stuff but he is nothing like dwayne johnson um you watch any movie these days chances are dwayne johnson's in it somewhere
2: the rock, um, Dwayne Johnson is in one out of every four films made in Hollywood. It seems
1: he's gotta be, I mean, the guy's everywhere. He's like, uh, uh, Samuel Jackson, you know, I mean, you roll a dice and you're either going to go see a Sam Jackson or a rock movie, but the rock to me was a huge, huge star, but it was always him and stone cold trying to pull the, um, the attention from one another and uh boy those are some of the best times i remember watching wrestling on tv you know not necessarily in person but god almighty was he a big star
2: it's kind of insane isn't it but when you think about it the rock really is just an insanely good actor you know Mm -hmm. he kind of got to start with those mummy films nobody really thought of him as an actor until then but he has gone on to do some really good shit
1: no he's good at what he does man i mean he really is um But again, he's one of those dudes that he started off kind of small and now he's this gigantic hulking behemoth of a man. Yeah. But hey, you know what? It gets him jobs. And as long as they're making Fast and Furious movies, he's got somewhere to go. Those movies are so fucking good, by the way. Mike, have you watched those fucking movies? No. See, my wife is a huge fan. She loves them, but I just don't. I've never gotten into them.
2: They are insanely good. I mean, they're big, dumb, fun. I think of The Fast and the Furious as kind of the car version of a kung fu movie. Everybody yeah. knows yeah. kung fu in a kung fu movie. And in Fast and the Furious, everybody knows how to drive a car.
1: It was huge in the 80s. We were talking about how big it was. It got into pop culture, all of that. But I would argue that now it is bigger than it's ever been. They have several shows. They have spin-off shows. They have a regional show they do. They have a SmackDown, a Raw, an NXT. They have a, all this other stuff. And they have their own friggin' network at this point. There's a WWE network. You pay however much a month, and on your Roku device or on this or that, you can watch every match that's ever been had. And this is the one that really cements it for me, that tells me that wrestling is bigger than it's ever been. Is you can go on ESPN.com and click on the wrestling link, and it'll take you to the WWE News.
2: Wow, that's incredible. I didn't know that. And
0: now, over the edge with Linda.
10: what they call a super fan. I fully admit that I will often forego eating, talking to friends, seeing family and personal hygiene in order to be closer to my one and only love, the one and only true sport, the one and only true religion, professional wrestling. I love everything about wrestling. I love the wrestlers, the lights, the hype, the announcers, everything. I love them so much. I love to kill them all. Oh, wait. You probably misunderstood me. I mean, I love it all so much. I love the bouts. I love the fans. Even though none live up to my passion. I love the heels. I love the faces. I love it all. I just want to freeze them in time. I want to drain their blood and bathe in their gore. <laughs> oh, 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 wait. Remember what Dr. Hurwitz said. Center, center. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Let's start again. I love wrestling, I watch it all Monday nights, Thursday nights, hold the footage new footage, slams, choke holds off the turnbuckles, off the ropes Yeah, Oh, bleed their essence become them, you can rule the world with that power oh, think, I better call Dr. Horowitz oh, Okay, oh, gotta go
7: this is the Golden Tower you're listening to Aaron and Mike and now, back to the show
2: Have you ever seen a YouTube video by uh, Max Landis? He's a writer. He's a very talented writer. But He writes Dirk Gently, which is a fucking fantastic show on the BBC, Mm -hmm. based on Mm -hmm. Douglas Adams' novel. Really good shit. I never had any respect for wrestling as an adult until I saw Max Landis' video, Wrestling Isn't Wrestling. It hmm. is incredible. It kind of goes through the history of um you know the split from WWF uh to TNA to ECW and all that shit. Goes through the whole thing. So it basically follows around Triple H and Generation X and I guess Max Landis sees Triple H as the best wrestler.
1: Triple H is actually part of the McMahon family. He uh he married uh Stephanie. So uh he is um son-in-law to vince now isn't triple
2: h kind of the de facto head cheese right now in pretty
1: much yeah Yeah. right i think so and a lot of those guys they go into uh either management or announcing or something like that kind of like in kind of like in football or anything else you know those guys sometimes blur the lines between uh being in the ring and and being part of the game um, but I guess, again, what are you going to do after you're done wrestling? That's the other thing that's changed in, in the million years that wrestling has been on. These guys get freaking paid at this point. Those guys in the fifties, they were getting squat. I mean, they were going, you know, from place to place together in the same car and, and, uh, eating any free meal that they could get just cause they loved doing what they were doing now. Holy crap. These guys get paid.
2: Well, I think, you know, wrestling is a great outlet it gives you something to, to believe in, something to hold on to. It gives you heroes. Um, you know, it's it's a positive thing for for people.
1: No, as far as wrestling goes, again, the fact that my dad's still around, the fact that he still watches it brings back really good memories. He and I shared a lot of time over stuff like that. And um, I, I think you could probably look back at our country's uh, big moments and see kind of the ebb and flow of stuff like professional wrestling. You know, when when times are are, are big, like in the 80s, you know, everything was about excess and, and uh, America, then that's what we got. You know, when times were a little weirder in the 90s, well, we got some weird stuff in wrestling. I think it directly reflects the mood of the country a lot of the time. And, you know not saying good or bad, I think what we've got now directly reflects um, our political system too. Um, I think you've got guys that uh, that are very much in wrestling that appeal to those Trump voters and I think the Venn diagram again of Trump voters versus wrestling fans and things probably c- crosses pretty pretty closely together. But there's nothing wrong with that necessarily. You know, people like what people like. And if it makes you feel better doing it, then I'm full on behind it. And something as capitalistic as wrestling uh, that makes people feel better. Hey, you know, that's great.
2: It's a great escape. You know, reality can really suck sometimes. And it's good to be able to jump down a rabbit hole. And you've got all of this. Just decades and decades of this evolving story. this, This big story. I mean, it's a terrific form of storytelling a terrific medium and i think it kind of speaks a universal language you know uh every country is watching professional wrestling it's it's one of america's big um exports and i think that that in a way there's nothing more american than professional wrestling i regret not watching wrestling my whole life because it really is awesome there's a lot of history there. There's better writing in wrestling than there is in a lot of film and TV. It is one of the higher forms of entertainment out there, in
1: my opinion. I think you're right. And, And again, just to kind of circle back on what you said earlier, um, you know, we made fun of those people a lot. And, uh, when it comes down to it, like most other things, when you get older, you realize that, uh, those people were kind of right. And they're kind of the salt of the earth folks. And, um, they knew what was up all along
2: professional wrestling is the most successful world building exercise that has ever been attempted it's kind of a masterpiece it is vast and you really got to respect that you know you you read works from people who write these epic uh universes like You've got George R. R. Martin, you know, he's got this mm-hmm. big world, this big ice and fire universe. And you've got Robert Jordan with his big wheel of time universe. But I think that the depth of even those universes is kind of minuscule compared to what wrestling has built. Just a right in that universe has to be an incredible challenge.
1: God, that'd be fun, though, wouldn't
2: it? Oh, God, yes. I would I would love to do it. But keeping everything straight would just be crazy. Mm-hmm. You know they've got loads of continuity experts. You know they've got tons of them.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I would say that it's probably a little looser guidelines than it is on something that's actually you know being put out for mass consumption that costs millions and millions of dollars.
2: <laughs> well, I don't know, man. They are pretty careful about retcons that's... in wrestling.
1: That's true. I guess the fans would be the first ones to point it out. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, you're probably right.
0: And now, fun talk time with people who know stuff and tell me things, by Josh.
11: Hi, I'm Josh with Very Dark, Very Quick, and I'm here with, can you say your name, ma'am? Cassie. Cassie. Okay, and today we're going to talk about wrestling. So, Cassie, how do you feel about wrestling?
12: I have mixed feelings, actually. Um... Sometimes I think it's entertaining, and sometimes I think it's kind of homoerotic.
11: Homoerotic. So what, what to you is uh, homoerotic about uh, two men in underwear wrestling with each other? The Greeks used to do it.
12: Because it's two men in underwear wrestling each other, and the Greeks used to have relations with young men. So it kind of fits hand in hand, I would think.
11: Okay, so do you feel that the male wrestlers are actually... Um, are actually gay for each
12: other? Is that where you're getting at, Cassie? I think the fact that they oil each other up before they even come out onto stage and make themselves slippery for everybody else's pleasure to watch them wrestle is a whole other thing in itself. But then the fact that they have to try to turn it around and have sexy women come out with their little cards up to show the rounds is trying to make it um, more heterosexual whenever everybody knows they're not
11: Okay, and so do you actually have an issue with the women being involved? I mean, do you feel like they are just there as visual aids and cues to try and, you know, make something that you feel is gay into something straight?
12: Um, I think they're there for the straight people's pleasure um, and for, you know, I mean, the visual effect does make it feel less gay, I guess, which is not a problem. But if it's going to be one thing, it doesn't need to be pretending to be another so in, in that aspect, I think that they're hitting every, every field, and they're, they're making everybody comfortable in their own way by making everybody uncomfortable.
11: So are you saying that you have a problem with homosexuals or that you have a problem with gay wrestlers?
12: I have a problem with fakers. I'm pro-gay and anti-fake gay. All right. Thank you, Cassie. Thank you.
11: I'm Josh Quick, and I'm here with... Sawyer. Sawyer. How you doing tonight, Sawyer? I'm doing great. Awesome, Sawyer. Okay, so tonight we're actually going to be talking about wrestling. How do you feel about wrestling? Uh, I've been out of the loop for a really long time. I'm back from the heyday of The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin and the F- Randy Orton and the fun guys, I think. All right, good deal. Awesome. So so you actually okay with The Rock actually uh, doing movies now? How do you feel about that? I will go watch a movie just because The Rock is in it. Good, good. I'd love to hear about those diehard fans. Okay, so with that being said, I know that China was actually around whenever The Rock was in wrestling. How do you, how do you feel about China and her um, supposed tiny dick? Apparently, she has a tiny dick. Had a tiny dick. She's dead. Other than that, I thought China was kind of hot. I don't know about you. I've I've always been afraid of being squished by biceps. <laughs> well, um, it's it's intimidating. Being squished by biceps can definitely be intimidating. That is for sure. Is that is that like one of your fears uh, from childhood? Like when did this fear start? It, it's from childhood. It's it, it's it's. I was scared I was going to be squished by the legs coming out. So like it, it's it's deep seated fear. So it actually started with wrestling. Is that correct? <laughs> it started with my parents wrestling. Oh. Oh God. So we're going to go ahead and end this interview with Sawyer. Uh, Thank you so much, Sawyer. I'm just going to – no, 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 don't leave this in. Thank thank you. Thank you, Sawyer. Good night. I'm Josh from Very Dark, Very Quick, and I'm here again with the lovely – Lulu. Lulu. Perfect. How are you doing tonight, Lulu? I
8: am super. How do you feel about wrestling? First off, it is wrestling with an A and two S's and an apostrophe – um, it's best done in backyards with mattresses and no health insurance. Do you think that, uh, with the, excuse me, wrestling, that they should
11: actually be jumping off of houses onto trampolines or into pools or onto tables? How do you feel about that?
8: Any raised surface onto another surface or person is the best way. Um, it makes the best YouTube videos, the most memorable things. Uh, I saw myself on Ridiculousness doing this. Um, swanton dive off of a two-story house onto a trampoline and a toddler I won the belt though
11: so the toddler didn't stand a chance against you is that correct Lulu
8: not a chance good deal okay so do you actually still have the belt Uh,
11: currently yes I'm undefeated so that being said do you actually are you looking to keep your title are you looking for more challengers how do you stand right now Lulu?
8: Uh, any three-year-olds welcome to come it and, and bring it. Um, ages three to five. I'll do tag teams as well. Uh, they can take on me and my partner, and we'll I'll take on a couple of uh, toddlers. Um, and and we're just we're we're here to defend. Who who's your partner then? His name is Zans. Zans the bird.
11: Zans the bird. Okay, so if. So with Zan's a bird, uh, would you guys only be willing to wrestle toddlers, or do you actually feel like wrestling any, uh, any dwarves, midgets or any you know uh, adults?
8: Uh, toddlers were our, our target group, and I mean that is what it says on our, our belts, toddler champions of the world. And I mean, if you're under four foot five, I guess we, we'll be willing to take you on.
11: Okay, that being said, do you have any kind of call-outs to any of the uh, uh, the
8: dwarves uh, wrestling in Mexico? Uh, no, but there, there's, there's Sleepy, uh, Happy, Dopey, Doc, all seven of those. Uh, we're coming for you. Uh, Florida, 2018. We'll see you there. Thank you so much, Lulu. You're welcome.
10: Now back to the show. Here's Aaron and Mike.
1: All right, well, uh, let's go with a a final quote. So you got something for me? Yeah, man, this one's
2: from The Rock, the man himself. (laughs) Grind hard, shine hard. I actually raised my eyebrow as I said that, just out of absolute instinct. Couldn't help myself.
1: So mine is going to come from Stone Cold. He says, you can talk about your Psalms and your John 316, while Austin 316 says, I just whooped your ass.
2: Fuck yeah. This has been very dark very quick. Thanks for listening.
0: Thank you for joining us. Please tell your friends and neighbors about us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. This episode of Very Dark, Very Quick featured Mike, Aaron, Josh, Jeremy, Linda, Volk, and Jordan. Music by Fishhands. Check him out on Bandcamp.com.
2: Do you remember China? She had a dick? Oh yeah, she had a dick!